It's time, D-Heads! Disney Blue presents the Diz Radio Show. Every week, Diz Radio lets you relive the magic, movies, and memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic entertainment, newest hits, retrospects, and breaking news on Hollywood's latest. So put on those ears, strap on the proton packs, beware of Lost Boys, jump on a hoverboard, and flip that dial to the Disney Sunday movie. The Diz Radio Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another fantastic edition here at the Diz Radio Show. And Valentine's Day just passed. That's right, it is show number 255 for the week of February 16th, 2024. And because that day of hearts, love, and things have just passed on, we hope you love the 80s, we hope you love sitcoms, and we hope you love going back into those recesses of your memories and being a little bit scared. Because we have none other than Jeremy Lick stopping in here at the show. Now, Jeremy, you may recall from Twilight Zone the movie as well as Valerie's family later became the Hogan family and he's going to be stopping in and talking about a variety of different things including how he got started in acting what it was like being part of the Hogan family this long-lasting show that everybody loves the sitcom that just grew into a household name at one point as well as being part of the spooky the terrifying the Twilight Zone in one of my favorite segments from that anthology series that came out back in 1982 so Jeremy's gonna stop in and have all kinds of fun things to talk about with us here at the show so we hope you love it since Valentine's Day just passed in addition no show would be complete without the D team that's right Jeremy is back going deep into the television recesses, the histories, and all the things that were in prime time along with the Hogan family. We also have Dominic going into the musical renditions that all of you listeners have sent him those requests, what you wanted him to cover, and I have a feeling this week it's going to be about sitcoms. And let's not forget Frank giving you that quote of the week with a little bit of wit, inspiration, and fun, and you never know where he's going to pull these quotes from. We're going back in time. We're going to the 80s, the early 90s. We're going to go into that sitcom haven as we're having Jeremy stopping in, so I am excited for this. So let's officially kick off show number 255 for the week of February 16th, 2024, and it only seems fitting than to play this track to open it up. Be right back, all of you D-heads. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Diz Radio's Quote of the Week. 
this week's special guest who played Mark Hogan on the TV sitcom Valerie in 110 episodes from 1986 until 1991. Now, the premise of the show, uh, Valerie Hogan is what you want to call a supermom, and her husband, Michael, is an airline pilot. So the job of raising their three boys is mostly left to Valerie. So there's girl-hungry David, trouble-acting Willie, and brainy Mark. Uh, Mark and Willie are fraternal twins, so each week Valerie encounters different experiences of what it's like to be in a boy mom. Now, this week's quote is an interaction between Valerie Hogan and Mark Hogan. Valerie, I just spent an hour with the principal listening to the foulest language I have ever heard, and he was quoting your brother. I don't know what to do with that kid. Mark replies, I thought you were making him pay a quarter for each bad word he said. Valerie, as she's holding up a jar of change, yes, yes, see this? We are now a three-income family. Well, that's all the time I have for this week, everybody. We will talk again next week. But remember, in the meantime, have a magical week. To a birth. Their dealings with. Dressed envelope to. Davis and Kirk. Right down that. Monday out, the Hogans are exposed. It's from the National Inquisitor. Alien shocking secret reveal. This could launch my career. David's foreign affair uncovered. Oh, dear. Sarah's romance with a princess. She's a princess? These stories and more. Blood is draining from my head. All new Alvin the Hogan family, Monday. Hey, D-heads. You're listening to the Diz Radio Show. Taking you into a journey of pure imagination through your lifetime of memories. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of the dreams. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back. I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 255 for the week of February 16th, 2024. And like I said, we're going back in time to the 80s, the early 90s. All you Gen Xers are going to have some fun rehashing all this as we have Jeremy Lick stopping in here at the show. You know him from Twilight Zone, the movie, the Hogan family, win, lose, or draw, so many different uh, TV movies, and so much more. And Jeremy's going to stop in and chat with all of us very soon here at the show. We also have Frank, Dominic, and Jeremy from the D-Team stopping in with signature segments and all kinds of fun. So I am excited as we're going to have some sitcom fun here this week at Diz Radio. So before I jump into the show here this week, I do got to give you all the different ways you can stay connected with Diz Radio. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, latest news feeds, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect with us all over social media outlets, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, X, you name it. You can find it all at DizRadio.com as well. All those links are there for you. And most of all, you can stay connected on our Facebook page, which is very active. We're going to be giving away prizes very soon, every single week to top engagers and more. So get in on the action with all of our fun facts, behind-the-scenes tidbits, and a lot of the different things we bring up with our guests here at the show at facebook.com slash show. And you can find all these links and more, as I already stated, at dizradio.com. You can also subscribe and get the latest shows on your device with the Apple Podcast app. You can go to 
to iHeartRadio and more. Look up Diz Radio, hit subscribe, and get the latest shows as they get released right there to listen to all of our voices, all of our guests, and more, just like you've been doing for the last 14 years, instantly on your device. Boy, that was a lot to say. It is Now it is out the door. Now I'm good. Now the sales pitch is over. So all of you D-heads, we are here. It is show number 255. We are 14 years in at Diz Radio, and there's just a lot of fun things. We are going down the sitcom road here this week because I'm excited. The Hogan Family is one of those shows I remember watching with my brothers. I remember watching it with my dad. And Twilight Zone the movie, it is one of those that terrified me as a kid. I mean, Twilight Zone the movie was one of those I sat there. I watched it, and it was creepy as all heck. I mean, seriously, I was terrified. But in Jeremy's segment, there is something he does. And I I don't want to give too much away in case you've never seen this classic. Mind you, you know, you're about 40 years too late. But, you know, so I don't want to spoil it too much. But his character, I spent months and months and months just trying to accomplish what he did. I wanted that wishing power. I went around. I was just, if I think hard enough, I can do it. And it was so funny because I would actually just make my little sister angry. Because anytime she did something, I would threaten to wish her mouth off. And it was funny because I got the idea from Twilight Zone, the movie. And I just, I was always like, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And I would start going like, I, 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 I wish. And then I would never finish it. And it would just shut her down instantly because you know she's a little bit younger than me by you know five years or so you know so you know she is younger uh you know younger than me so when we were younger than you know playing you know it was easier to get it by her but you know i would always use that as a threat on the flip side to that though i also got in trouble a lot because uh during this time it was also i would use my wish power well the power i wanted to have to wish all kinds of things at my parents. If they were telling me to do something I didn't want to do, um, let's just say I got a little lippy with them and I would be like, I wish you would go away. I wish I'd live alone. I, you know, it just splurting out stuff as a seven-year-old does, right? It was just one of those seven, eight-year-old, uh, just, you know, it, it landed me in a lot of hot water. But these are just great things that Jeremy is part of and it takes me back to that moment in time. I mean, for all of you, especially Gen Xers out there, this is like the heart of your growing up here. This is like the bulk, right? Raised in the 80s. So, you know, seeing shows like Valerie and then it later became the Hogan family once Valerie, you know, left the series and Sandy Duncan came in and took that over. You know, it, the show didn't lose steam. It was just full of energy. You had Jason Bateman on there. Our guest here this week, Jeremy Licht. I mean, it was just a great show. It was fun. It was wholesome. You could laugh. It was right up there with Step by Step, Full House, and all of those. It was just, it was a good, fun show. A lot of celebrity guests went through uh, as guest stars every week on that show as well. So it was really good. Now, when you think about these shows, and you think about when they debuted. So Valerie originally debuted on March 1st, 1986. So it originally debuted 1986 and what was also going on on that day you had the facts of life now the facts of life number one show i mean great show and i'm sure dominic is going to talk about the facts of life later here this week uh, when we were all chatting behind the scenes here at the diz radio studios so you know so you had facts of life followed by the hogan family well aka valerie 
at the time. Then you had the Golden Girls right after that. So, you know, Valerie was like sandwiched in between two blockbuster bang-out shows. So you're sitting there, you're watching Facts of Life, then Valerie, then the Golden Girls, and then you got to close it all off with Alfred Hitchcock Presents. I mean, how awesome is that? You gotta watch Alfred Hitchcock, right? Now, and that's just on one network. So this is taking you back to that place in time because, you know, uh, on other networks, you had the Red Fox show, Benson, uh, you had uh, Airwolf was on, and even the Love Boat was on later on at night at 10 o'clock. So there was just a lot of different things going on taking you to this place in time, and it was sandwiched in with a lot of classics that uh, we all grew up with. So... I'm not going to ramble too much more here this week. There's not really a lot of fun stories for from my childhood like I like to do, but I have a lot of stuff I want to talk about with Jeremy. So with that, I'm going to release the reins here to the D-Team. We have a lot of things going on. We already heard from Frank, but we got Dominic stopping in with some musical fun for all of you D-Heads out there. We have Jeremy stopping in with a little bit more. And of course, the next time you hear me, I'm going to be sitting down with our guest, having a little chit-chat about the Twilight Zone movie, the Hogan family, win, lose or draw, TV movies, what he's doing in 2024, and so much more. So, all VD heads, with that said, it is time to step on, step away, step off, or I don't know, I just, I feel like saying the word step a lot. But let's press on for show number 255 for the week of February 16th, 2024, and how fitting, since this week is taking place in the 80s, this one's going out for all of you Gen Xers. Yeah, everybody's talking about the boomers, millennials, and Gen Z. People talk generations and they mention those three. Our kids call us boomers. Nah, that's incorrect. We have our own name. It is Generation X. Yeah, we may not use new technology very well, but we used to rock a chat room in AOL. No Bitcoin, but our 401k is decent. And we hate any music that is recent. We are Gen X. Gen X is in the house. We are Gen X. We're gone as well. We're alone for three hours. There's a key under a shell. We did have computers, but there was just one game to play. It was Oregon Trail. And we got this in terrain. You guys are now learning how to write apps when you were six. When I was six, the only app I had was mozzarella sticks. But when your phone dies because your battery's crap, you're gonna need me because I can read a map. We are Gen You can't plug in a destination. We are Gen You cannot plan a location. We are how far away is that exit? You have to basically guess it. Hey, it's the weekend, so what you gonna do? Let's invite over millennials for trivial pursuit. It's Gen X's favorite game. It's where we try to use all of our knowledge to get six pieces of pie. Millennials, they all think they are smarter than me, but this game that was printed back in 1993, what's the highest grossing film of all time? Ooh, Avatar. Uh, I'm sorry, it's Jurassic Park. No, nope, no. that's what it says right here on the card. I saw the one with Chris Pratt, but they made another oh, one. Dude, that's like number 30 now. I'm sorry, we're right. Hey, Siri. The Siri, don't, no. No, don't ask Siri. Dude, what's the no, highest grossing movie of all time? Card is always right. Sure. Boomers. We are not boomers. You keep calling us boomers. We're not boomers. That's our parents. We are Gen X. Our photos are on paper. We are Gen X. We watched a show called Frasier. A lot of us are named Janet. We are Gen X. We think that Pluto is a planet. When I found out that you can take a song and burn it on CD, I was like, this is the pinnacle of technology. When I had to text a friend, I would use a pager, yo. You could only type numbers, so I had to use codes. When I had to talk to people and I wasn't at my home, I would put a quarter into this thing called a payphone. Then a thousand people talked and 
to and basically kissed. If we had no money, we'd call collect and a mom would get real Hey, I have a collect call here from Penn. Do you accept the charges? For the love, honey, I told you. You're just supposed to tell me where to pick you up, okay? So next time when it says, say your name, you're supposed to say Burger King entrance of the mall food court. Okay, that's your name from now on. We are Janet. We were latchkey kids. We are Janet. We had to rewind our bids. Steven Spielberg, take you to another dimension. Hey, all you Diz fans, it's Randy Heller from Cobra Kai, and you are listening to Diz Radio. Okay, what do we have this week? A request for 80s sitcom themes? Well, there was one name sitting under 48 years of memories I was trying to get to surface. It wasn't writer Stephen J. Canal, whose logo of his furious typing and ripping a piece of paper out of his typewriter as it dissolves into a cartoon logo C. Wasn't that guy, but it was similar. A musical credit I remember seeing over and over during this time, but the name was escaping me. Then I did what everybody who has their phone turn their memory into a goldfish brain. I googled, and I did not get the composer I was thinking of. It turns out the dark recesses of my mind was thinking of Mike Post. His IMDb credits go back to 1971 with Gidget TV movies and Andy Williams Christmas specials, but in the 1970s and 80s he was writing music for Chips, The Rock Rockford Files, The White Shadow, Riptide, remember Riptide with the helicopter with a face on it? No, nobody does. Hardcastle, McCormick, The Greatest American Hero, believe it or not, The A-Team, Hill Street Blues, Magnum P.I., Sunny Spoon, and Beverly Hills Bunce. That takes me back to when they thought they could make a show out of anybody. Quantum Leap, Hunter, Doogie Hauser, Silk Stockings, NYPD Blue, The Laws and Orders, there's 163 credits, all classics. The dude has five Grammys. But when I typed 80s sitcom composers, totally expecting to see Mike Post with a wave of, oh yeah, 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 that's the name of that guy. That's not the name that came up. It was Alan Thicke. Yes, the dad from Growing Pains and not quite human. And that was surprising. I remember him as an actor and a guest spot guy. I remember him getting his butt handed to him by Johnny Carson when In the Thick of the Night tried to go up against The Tonight Show. I guess I can see him in music inspiring his son, a pop artist known for twerking in a Beetlejuice outfit with Hannah Montana. But he was legit. And I say was because Alan Thicke apparently died in 2016. I swear. I read about Bob Barker and Burgess Meredith dying three to four times each, but I missed Alan Thicke. But Alan Thicke was a legit composer. He wrote the theme to Different Strokes, and when Mrs. Garrett left the show, she packed Alan Thicke because he wrote the theme from The Facts of Life as well. He wrote the theme to Alex Trebek's proto-Jeopardy game show, The Wizard of Odds, as well as game show themes for The Joker's Wild, Celebrity Showcase, Blank Check, 
and the original theme for The Wheel of Fortune. I don't know if Google should have brought him up as one of the top 80s sitcom composers versus one of the top 70s game show composers, but it is hard enough to make one iconic piece of art in this lifetime, and he made two. Does it get any bigger than the facts of life and different strokes? With those two credits in his back pocket, you would think he would have written the theme for Growing Pains. He didn't. That was Steve Dorff, who also did Murder, She Wrote and Murphy Brown. Steve Dorff is not to be confused with the actor Steven Dorff, who ironically played a guy named Pete in the miniseries I Know My First Name is Steven. He also was the bad guy in Blade and was on an episode of Different Strokes, whose theme was written by Alan Thicke. There we go, folks. I got it all brought back. I do have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi and some questions or just ask Jonathan to tell me what to do. It's Dominic at DizRadio.com, D-O-M-E-N-I-C at DizRadio.com. I can also be found on Twitter and YouTube at WDW Plantoons or your favorite podcast app by searching Saturday Morning Superstars. It's an early 90s syndicated professional wrestling show that I am on as well. So folks, that is it for this week. Thanks for listening. Saturday, it's the Facts of Life at a special time. We're on. We're Togetherness means good times. Aren't we funny? Then Valerie Harper's oldest son is dating an older woman. If you see her again, I'll kill you in your sleep. <laughs> it's a special comedy sneak preview. Don't play with that maple soda. Come on, Mom. Valerie. Saturday. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. There's a time you gotta go and show you grow, and now you know about the facts of life. The facts of life When the world never seems To be living up to your dreams And suddenly you're finding out The facts of life are all about you You It takes a lot to get them right When you're learning the facts of life special special edition of the happiest show on earth the game that everyone's playing win lose or draw Vicky's guest, one of Dynasty's real beautiful people. Remember, Van B, avoid Godzilla at all costs. Here's the enchanting Emma Sams. And she's Olivia on the award-winning Mount Landing. Brad Duckle. Here she is, Tanya Crow. Hi, Julie. Hi, Marcus. And star of the Hogan's, and he said, I'm no hand handler. Get it? Hand handler. <laughs> this is Mark, the troublemaking Hogan twins, Jeremy Lick. Tinker, the blue blood heartthrob on the head of the class. I love the way you wiggle when you waddle. <laughs> Mr. Tony O'Dell. Hey, Mr. Hitrad. And here she is. Whoa, goodness gracious. She's... <laughs> Wait, keep going out there. Must be... There she is. She's the biggest thing in Disneyland. Vicki Lauren.
Magic Kingdom, having some kind of fun. It is so gorgeous here. I wish you could be with us. We're, of course, you know we're in the Magic Kingdom because yesterday I was small. Today I'm big. Jeremy, you're up for the man. Right. Come on, we gotta get it. Look at you, you cute thing. Aren't you just spiffy looking? Thank you. Gosh, look at those are the best shoes, even. What a cute guy you are. Thank you. How long have you been in show business? Eleven years. Eleven? Yeah. Where did you start? Um, a cousin of mine was do was in show business, and her mother forced my mother to put me into it. She said, how can you not give your child this kind of money? How can you pass up an opportunity like that? And uh, so she guilted us into it. You like it? I love it. Do you? Yeah. It's, listen, if you can get a job doing this, it's the best gig in the whole wide world, I'll say. This will tie Lights. Camera. Action! It's time for this week's Diz Radio special guest. All right, all of you Diz Radio fans out there, you tuned in for another magical installment here of the Diz Radio Show, taking you back to the movies, the television, the magic, the memories from everything from your entire life. And with us here this week is somebody that has played that role where you're sitting on the couch, you're hanging out with your family, or you're just getting scared by the movies. You know him from Twilight Zone the movie, as well as Valerie, which later became the Hogan family. We have none other than Jeremy Licht here. Welcome to Diz Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here. It is our pleasure having you on. I mean, you've been in so many different things, so many, all different areas, of course, you know, and then you got the major ones that everybody knows. And it's played this part in people's lives, you know, whether it's taking you back. Sit, I, I love sitcoms. I remember watching them with my family and my dad and, uh, you know, even growing up watching the Hogan family as well. So I guess before we jump into all that, I always ask this question. Our listeners already know I'm going to do it. What got you started in wanting to pursue a career in acting originally? Oh, that's a great question. So I was about five, the ripe old age of five, and I had a cousin. I still do have a cousin. I had a cousin who was um, literally about 10 days younger than me, and our moms were best friends, and um, she started working. She started working as an actress quite successfully. And we were hanging out and her mom would say to my mom, hey, how come you don't get Jeremy in it? He's so precocious and outgoing and all that. And I was a little bit on the wild side. Again, I was five, a five-year-old boy, kind of crazy. And my mom said, I don't know that he could really take direction, right? Or that he's going to sit still long enough to be able to, to actually be able to do that. And um, finally, after enough prodding, my mom met with her agent and the agent signed me and I'm kind of cut into the bullet points here, but over time started out back in the day, it was like print modeling, right? Like you'd see in the paper, in a newspaper, a Sears catalog, uh, wearing clothing and holding a ball or something like that. And that led into slowly again, led into commercials, commercials led into what were at the time movies of the week and movies of the week ended up leading to a feature film and then later on a television show. So it started out um, pretty basic. It took time. It wasn't like, oh, it was an overnight thing. It was not. Um, I mean, by the time I booked some of the bigger parts, I had been acting for over 10 years, right? And and doing a lot of uh, sort of dramatic, what was big in the in the late 1970s and up into the mid 80s, uh, these movies of the week. Right, that the, the the networks, the ABC, NBC, CBS, used to have 
on like a Friday night, there would be some movie that usually had some lead, some big actor in it. Um, and I inevitably would end up getting booked or hopefully getting booked as, as their kid. So, and I did a bunch of those. I did a bunch of those things. Um, in fact, Hogan Family was one of the very first comedies, not the first, but one of the very first comedies I had ever done. Well, you know, and with that too, then, like you said, you've been doing it for a while. And the movies of the week, that is a a moment in time. That is something that I wish they still had today just because – you know, there was something about gathering together as a family and waiting for this thing that you saw commercials for all week. You know, it was there was something about it. It was that family time. Yeah, I, and I think that that I mean, really, by and large, is gone. I mean, I think of my own family. I'm married. I've got two kids. I got. A, I have a 15 year old daughter and an almost 11 year old son. And there's oftentimes a yeah, on a Friday night we may be sitting home, but we may be all on different screens. Right. So it's very and it's it's challenging for my wife and I to try to find something that does draw a common ground for all of us. Um, And that is, I think, I think probably a pretty universal challenge for families these days is finding something that everyone not only likes, but is also suitable. Right. For for the age gaps that you have there. Definitely, you know, and I, you know, I'm a father of four kids myself, so I understand completely what you're talking about. But I guess that brings me back to you know some of your earlier work with Twilight Zone, the movie, because that is something I have sat down with my kids and shown them. So it is it is held up all these years later. What was it like bringing this iconic series to the big screen? And I have to say, you know, you know your your segment, uh, your portion of that film was one of those where when I was watching it when I was younger. I tried for months to be able to wish whatever I wanted to happen. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be a nice thing to have some of the time? Maybe maybe not all the time, but some of the time. Uh, well, thank you for that. And it was, I'll tell you, up until that point in my career, like I said, I mean, I worked with some amazing people, but that was really a, a, a big jump in terms of anything I had ever booked before uh, or worked on. And to, if you think about it, if, if your audience has seen the movie, um, we were in the third segment. Anthony was the character that I played, and it all takes place in one day. So we were actually on the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank for three months filming a 30-minute segment and literally in the same wardrobe for three months. And um, it was a really amazing at the time, pretty solid budgeted film. Um, a lot of it, you know, this is going back to what was it, 1982, 83, maybe 83, 84, somewhere in there. I should probably have these dates down by now, but I don't. Um, Pre-CG, you know, I mean, these were a lot of practical effects. So some of the time it was Joe Dante, who was the director of it would say, okay, so your Uncle Walt is going to pull this rabbit out, and it's terrifying looking, right? By the way, I don't want to give any spoilers here if you haven't seen the movie, but it's about 40 years old now, so you've got some time. So pulls the rabbit out, and it's going to look roughly like this, and it's roughly this tall, and it's, but you think it's hilarious, right, meaning me, but the rest of the family is terrified and action. Right. So so there were a lot of things that whereas now from a CG standpoint, there is a lot of 
other flexibilities that they had. Back then, it was a lot of practical. It was a lot of practical effects. There were a lot of things um, that they would have to say, we're, we're going to knock this out. We're doing three months of post-production on this, right? Um, or we're going to destroy the set. But you won't be here. You'll be long gone by then. So um, it was incredible. And the cast was amazing. And um, it was a lot of fun. It was it was just we had a we had a great time doing it and you know I, it's funny my like I said my son is eleven and or turning eleven in about a week and he doesn't like the scary stuff it's just not for him my daughter could handle it no problem my son not as much and he actually wanted to see it we actually watched the segment honestly about a week and a half ago and he he looked at me afterwards he goes. Dad, I can't believe that was you. And I said, buddy, I was only like a year or two older than you are now when I did that stuff. And, and he's like, and you, how did you remember all those words? And, you know, sort of asking me all these great questions about it. And so it was kind of it was touching in that respect that he enjoyed it. Um, he what, what he loved about it was that the girl who played my sister in it was played by Nancy Cartwright. Uh, who obviously is the voice of Bart Simpson. She's gone on to do, you know, obviously amazingly well. And he watches The Simpsons. So he heard the voice. I go, does that voice sound familiar to you? Is it somewhere in there? Do you, does that? And it took him a little bit and he figured out. And he said, I said, as crazy as it sounds, that's only a few years. We shot that only a few years before she started on The Simpsons. Right. That's how long the Simpsons had been going. So it's kind of a it's just kind of a trip to go back, uh, you know, memory lane and watch that kind of stuff. So I, I'm glad it holds up and I'm glad people still like it. And um, it was a, a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to shoot that. Well, you know, and it's it's one of those two, like you said, it holds up. And I think it holds up because it's practical effects. I think practical effects have something that's near and dear and it looks pristine on uh, Blu-ray because I am a fan of physical media. So it looks better than anything that could stream. Um, but you know, so, you know, Twilight Zone, then everyone loved it. You know, it just, it had this great, I don't know, it has this great legacy even to this day. Um, but you know, moving forward to, of course, you know, Valerie and the Hogan family and doing comedy. So you're doing these films, TV of the week, uh, Twilight Zone, and now you're on a sitcom where it's a live audience. Here you are. You have to, be a, a jokester sometimes or sometimes even dry humor what was it like landing that role and then realizing okay this is uncharted waters for me this was completely uncharted waters for me and it was um out of my comfort zone not that i was uncomfortable but just not really in my wheelhouse of the things that i was auditioning for um and and so Audition for it. Uh, after two or three auditions, I end up getting paired up with Danny Ponce, who would go on. We would go on to play twins, um, fraternal, because he's now about, I don't know, six feet. And I am not. I'm not even close. And so it was very funny as time went on. Like, we weren't even close to the same height. But in TV land, that's fraternal twins. And we're still very, by the way, still very, very close to this day. He's one of my closest friends on the planet. So... Danny and I get paired out up in about the third audition and we continue, we work our way up, uh, go through the production company, then meeting with NBC executives and paired up. And then we end up booking it only to find out we knew Valerie Harper. 
who was the lead. It was it was her show. It was called Valerie. And we found out afterwards that Jason Bateman was booked to play our brother. And even back then, Jason was a big name. Not as big as he is now, but he was a very, very big name in televisions and sitcoms. He had come off of Silver Spoons. He had had a show of his own called It's Your Move, which was sort of coming off of uh, off of Silver Spoons, he got his own vehicle to do that. And then NBC cast him as the older brother. And that certainly gave, you know, gave us a great feeling of like, okay, so there's a second name in this, right? Because Danny and I didn't have a name at all. Um, and then they brought in Josh Taylor to play our dad. And he had a huge following because he had and is still on Days of Our Lives. So we get together, we end up doing the pilot. Um, Valerie really got us all together for as long as she could so that we got to know each other, got to feel this. It was a very, um, it was very warm and it was very inclusive. And she really wanted us to feel like a family that despite the fact that we were, you know, first day on the set, she said, this has to feel like family or the audience just won't buy it. Um, so we got to know each other as well as we could. We shot the pilot. Um, ironically, I ended up with chicken pox the night of shooting. I was sick as a dog. Um, shot it and found out that our show was not picked up for the season. And that was going to be the end of it. That was the end of it. And, you know, we were all disappointed in it. But that's the way it goes. It's like getting up to bat, right? You get a shot at it. It happens or it doesn't happen. And, and then that's it until the next time. So we get a call and up being, I don't know, six, nine months later that there was some show that NBC had picked up, but it was not getting the ratings that they wanted or they were going to replace one of the shows in their lineup. And could we come back and shoot six episodes? Well, absolutely. Of course, we can go back and shoot six episodes. So we went in. We all got back together. Big hugs. And we shot six. And then we waited <laughs> and waited. We were always waiting. We ended up shooting a total of 110 episodes, but we never felt, I never felt secure at the end of the season that I wouldn't necessarily ever see anybody again. Um, it wasn't like we were a top 10 show like Cheers uh, or, or Family Ties or any of those shows. Um, but we kind of were just chugging away. And then of course, you know, after a couple of seasons, we, our lead left, got fired. You can read about it. Um, so, you know, everything was constantly in flux. It never felt like a really, <laughs> never felt like a really secure relationship. <laughs> it's always the bottom was about to fall out. Um, but loved it. And I will tell you to this day were some of the best times in my life. Um, we all really, not only enjoyed working with each other, but we were genuinely close. And I'll tell you to this day that once or twice a year, when everybody is in town, we go to lunch. Sandy, unfortunately, can't join us because we're in Los Angeles. Sandy's in New York. But Jason, Danny, Josh, myself, even Steve Whitting, who played Jason's kind of, if you will, geeky, dorky friend, Bert, he'll join us. And we just pick up where we left off but we're not even talking about sort of the good old days. It's talking about life and family and friends and parents and children. And it's really, 
it's a special group. And I feel very, very lucky to have been a part of that. Well, you know, and it's the the type of thing too, like you said, where, you know, you get together and you're talking about family and things like that. And over the years, as it went in flux, became the Hogan family and all that. But getting together all these years, I guess basically you, you did become a family then. Correct. Correct. I mean, you know, it's the type of thing where when one of us has a success, when I see that, you know, I mean, I know Danny, Danny very well. We see each other all the time and we catch up and, and all that. But I see Jason a couple times a year, Josh a couple times a year. Something Jason, for example, comes out with a film or wins, you know, wins an Emmy or a Golden Globe or whatever. And I'm the first to text him and just, hey, man, congratulations. So well deserved. Um, obviously, his success with Ozark and films and all that kind of stuff. But he's just a humble guy. He's appreciative. Somebody you don't, you know, see in the um, the scathing section of TMZ and things like that. Um, you know, we're all just like, I'm sure your listeners like myself, like you, you have a family, you know, we're, we're all trying to get by. We all have jobs and paying bills and life. And at the end of the day, it is about, about some of those memories and what you shared, but can that be brought forward so that it's really, not about what was, but it's sort of what is, right? Like what's going on? How, how's your mom doing? Or how's your, you know, how's your daughter? I remember she was struggling in that or whatever that might be. And that's kind of where things are at this point. Definitely. Now, looking back at a lot of these then too, you know, looking back at some of these episodes and things like that, um, you know, working in front of a live audience, what was it like? Um, you know, you like you said, you weren't part of the top 10, but you clearly were getting noticed and things like that. What was it like performing in front of a live audience, getting that instant reception and having to do take after take after take sometimes? So it's a great question. And, and the truth of the matter is it's 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 such an interesting combination of of theater at the same time you're working for the camera. Right. So if you're in the theater, you're feeling that audience. Right. You can feel how they're reacting to what you're doing. Okay. We would rehearse like a theater piece. And, you know, in fact, when our writers or anyone would come down, they would try to laugh where they think the laughs would be so that as an actor, you start to figure out, Oh, I got to hold for that laughter. Meaning I don't just go on with the next line. You want to let the audience soak it in and figure out a way to pause for a second before you say the next line or the other actor does as well. At the same time, it's all being done for the cameras, right? We shot in front of three cameras. There was a you know camera to the left, center, and right. And we had to learn all of that. Wait a minute, are you playing out for the camera? Well, you can't play too big because in theater, you play it bigger so that the people in the back can see your movements. But not with a sitcom, right? With a sitcom or anything that's being filmed, that camera is going to pick up everything. Right? So big, quirky movements don't work. Big eye movements don't work. So it's, it was a wonderful combination of the two. In the very beginning, getting used to an audience was daunting. I mean, you had 300 people in there. They're expecting to see a show uh, and laugh. And then getting them to laugh on the ninth take when they'd heard the same joke nine times already is challenging. But we got them to do it. We would try to win them over. Right. By joking around or playing around so that they could see, hey, we're, we're not just puppets here. Right. We're actually performing. We're going to have a good time with you. You have a good time with us uh, somewhere out there. There's outtakes from our show, as I'm sure you've seen outtakes from other shows where you can actually see the actor. 
right? You can see the actor behind the character, um, be a little bit playful with it. And we learned to do that. Um, and I will tell you that certainly in terms of being on a sitcom, there was nobody better than Jason um, because he'd been doing it for so long. So he knew how to win over an audience, right, who might be getting a little tired or antsy or cranky in their seats because they've been sitting there for a couple hours without anything to eat. Um, and so we did and we figured out how to do it. And um we love by you know we really enjoyed working with the audience and there were only a few episodes we did without an audience because maybe there was a stunt or there was an exterior that we had to shoot or something like that but by and large we loved having that audience in on our side it really felt like another member of our family well you know and with the audience then because of that and getting used to all of this you know, you were at that that peak age where what was it like uh, becoming that heartthrob for all these teenage girls then? So that's a, that is a trip and a half. Um, so we started out, Danny and I, very young, even though so all three of us are two years apart. When we started, Jason was 16. I was 14. Danny was 12, even though Danny and I played twins. Um, and those girls loved Jason. Right. They love Jason. He was 16. He was on a show. They love Josh. He's a stud. All that. We were kind of little brothers, which was fine. Well, over time, we sort of attracted our own audience. And so, you know, if you pointed to a girl or a guy in the audience, they liked one or both or some of us. Right. And so people would show up or write letters. And really hold up signs. And just that was a very interesting, I wish I could define how it felt. It was, I'll say, certainly incredibly good for the ego <laughs> and very, very flattering to have that level of admiration from someone who really doesn't know who you are, right? They think they know you. And especially back in the day, the only thing you really knew about a teen, if you will, heartthrob or something like teen, whatever the term is, is what was put out in teen magazines. Obviously, long pre-internet, right? So it wasn't like you could just Google somebody and you'd get all their information. But back then, it was whatever we put in the teen magazines, right? So somebody might say, oh, my God, I love that his favorite color is blue. That's my favorite color, too. Right. Um, or, oh, God, his dad is in sales. My dad's in sales or, you know, whatever it is. It's sort of this fluffy, light thing. Um, but people really did feel like they knew you. And some of the first times and it really started with Twilight Zone. After Twilight Zone was really when I could feel somebody recognizing me outside of like that. I went to school with them. Um and then Hogan family lifted that into a different stratosphere where it wasn't just here in Los Angeles. It was traveling anywhere in the States that like, no, people know who you are. And, you know, even conversations as we got older of, hey, <laughs> make sure that you're doing the right thing. Because, again, not now not everybody had there was no cell phones so there weren't cameras everywhere but there was that degree of hey somebody would love to snap a picture of you in a compromising position 
right? And that could jeopardize your career, right? Very different than what it is now, just because the accessibility wasn't quite there. Um, but just a very different and interesting, um, almost like a sociology project, right? Where the idea that there is a, there is a weird feeling. I had a roommate for a period of time that could see it where we would be out and, and she would just say, you know, 11 o'clock, that whole table just realized who you are and which was fine. Right. I mean, because it was never like an aggressive or violent or anything like that kind of a thing. But there is a different feeling of like almost the best behavior. Right. When you are held to a higher standard because of who they think you are. If that makes any sense at all. It's just a um, a very interesting. I, I think it's, it's, it's very interesting. It was incredibly flattering and I'm grateful for that. Um, and I, I, the truth of the matter is I would not change anything from that. Certainly that time in my life was an amazingly golden and beautiful time. Well, you know, and, and with that too, like you said, it is something that's flattering and different and, uh, you know, it's hard to take in at that age, but of course, you know, this one might be, uh, maybe you can remember this. I, I, I would think so, but you know, even so much so you were on uh win, loser, draw at Disneyland. Um, I don't know if you recall that, you know, what was that like being there? Cause then you got a whole park full of people watching you. Yeah. So it's funny. I, I remember doing something like that. And then I think my daughter found that on YouTube and said, God, dad, your hair was so awesome. That was her reaction. So I said, well, you know, the mullet was strong, very strong. So no, it was, that was really cool. And those, those were sort of the, um, I almost call it like the side dishes, right? It's the, the amazing benefit of having done that work and being on a, on a national show was being invited to do game shows for charity or flying to the Midwest for a weekend to open up, you know, some event. Or I remember flying down to San Antonio, Texas to open up SeaWorld down there and first class this and here's some money and like those kinds of perks were just unbelievable. But, you know, I think it was Vicki Lawrence was, was the host of the show and um, some of the other actors that were there. And I, I've, to this day, I'm a big, not only game show fan, but a game person. I like playing games. Um, so I love doing that stuff. I absolutely love doing that stuff. And it was, you know, it could have been something like, hey, do you want to come to Disneyland? Uh, do win, lose, or draw. You're going to tape five shows. It's going to take about two hours, and then you'll have the run of the park for th- you and three of your friends along with a security guard. Do you want to do that? Well, yeah, I want to do that. Of course I want to do that. That's awesome. So it, it was those kinds of things where, like, God, you know, anybody would kill for this opportunity. And, and I knew that. Even at the time, I knew this is not something to take for granted, number one. And number two, there's probably a pretty good chance that this is not going to last forever, right? Because we always think things last forever. We think that things don't change. And then as we get older, we realize that, no, they do. And and (laughs) you get super comfortable in one thing. It will change or evolve into something else. And, um, so no, it was like I said, it was a magical time. 
doing those game shows and all that play stuff was was awesome. It was icing on the cake. Well, you know, and and like you said, you'd be able to get these perks and all these little side things that you can do and brings back all these memories and things like that. Now, because the technology didn't exist back then, you know, because, I mean, I grew up same era, so there was none of this technology, you know. Uh, what is it like now when you're going through, you know, YouTube or TikTok and things like that, and all of a sudden you're seeing old videos of yourself and people going, oh, my God, remember this show? Is it just amaze you that all these years later, people are still talking about things that you've been part of? I, you know, I'm grateful for that because I think otherwise it would just be lost, right? I mean, it would just, it would have been, there would have been a certain group, perhaps like your listeners who are nostalgic and remember that, but that nobody in the last, who's 25 years old or younger would have any idea unless they were, you know, radio TV film type of person um, that would know that. I mean, similar to the days before photography, right? That we just obviously, other than artwork from those periods of time, that we just wouldn't know like what our great grandparents look like as kids. We, we, we just don't have that technology. So it's pretty remarkable that, that, that there is so much that has been digitized that will now be somewhere out there forever. I think it's great. And, and it also gives, you know, different generations a, a degree of what the culture was like, especially if you can watch, if you're watching some show and, and they have the commercials from the original time, that to me is really uh, such a flavor of what was going on, what was important to people. So you look at the car commercials or styles or coffee commercials or, you know, whatever it is, of those days. And so, no, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm truly, truly grateful to have been a part, uh, certainly of the eighties. I mean, that to me was, I'm sure every generation feels this way, but it was a really remarkable time in our history and probably, and, and in fact, the last time in our history, the last decade without the internet and without absolutely everything being captured um and so what was captured was memorable right there's a there it is literally memorialized now but people have to want to do it because the things if you think about when our show was on which was like 85 to 91 is still pre-internet so somebody would have had to digitize whatever they recorded on their vcr and then put it up on youtube which is a lot of steps to be honest with you so it had to have been important to somebody to, to choose to take the time to do that. And, um, and I think that that's amazing. I really do. I think it's fantastic. And I will tell you just even in my own household, occasionally one of my favorite shows of all time was taxi. Okay. That's just my preference. And I can actually sit and watch that with my 11 year old and know that that was several years before I was on a show and what those characters look like. And even my son saying like, that even, you know, and he's 11. What's a taxi? Right? 11. What is a taxi? Like, oh my gosh. Well, you know, before the Ubers and the Lyfts of the world, you had to actually find a taxi or call in a service. Or So it's just, it brings that sort of that cultural, that time period. It makes it understandable of, oh, that's right. And that's why Dad, nobody's on a phone there. That's right. The phones were all tethered to a wall and you had to put coins in to do that. So it's, um, 
like I said, it was a, just a different special time. Definitely. It is definitely a time capsule because I do the same thing with my children. And, uh, you know, we go through and watch old movies, TV shows, things I grew up with, um, you know, because you and I, I believe, are comparable in age. And it's just – it's funny because sometimes I have to give them the pretext or pause in the middle of it and explain – what the joke was or what was going on. And it, it, it's funny how that works. Um, you know, and, and either some kids gravitate towards it and some don't. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's almost like passing that torch. You want them to see these old things so they can be part of that generation to understand where things came from. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. So with everything going on, I, you know, we don't want to keep you too long because we could be talking about all kinds of stuff. But I guess, you know, from everything from Hogan's Family, Twilight Zone, weekly movies, I, I, you name it, everything, whether that's even win, lose, or draw, no matter what it is, for everyone whose life you've been part of, people that grew up watching you, people just discovering you, um, things like that, I guess for all the people you've impacted over all these years, do you have any final words you'd like to leave out there for all of those fans of Jeremy? Well, number one, I, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for listening today, and, and thank you, Jonathan, for having me on. I know it took a couple of reschedules for us to get this all together, so, but I, I'm, I'm grateful to, to be able to talk to you about this and, and that time in my life and, and really how amazing it is. Um, I will tell you something, kind of a cool little thing, is if any of your fans are interested, um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, just look up my name. I've got a yellow background and you are welcome to add me as a friend. Um, myself and my real life wife just completed and posted a short film that we did called Seat 23B. Uh, it is not safe for work, but it's a 15 minute short film that we recently completed. And like I said, we put it up online. You can find it on Vimeo. Um, and it's a fun little ride. It is nothing like anything you have seen before. And I don't want to tease you with that, uh, but it is not Hogan family related. It's a little bit darker than that, um, but it's a fun little ride. So if, if you're interested in kind of seeing what uh, I look like instead of at, at age 18 with a mullet, this is about age 53 and, uh, and the hairline's not quite as strong as it used to be, sadly. Um, this is this is uh, this is what I have done currently. I do have a wonderful day job, um, but would love to get back into acting as well. And so this is our little foray back into that arena. Very cool, definitely. I'm sure all of our listeners are going to go there and check it out. And you're always welcome back anytime to talk about that film, anything at all, or chit chat about uh, the future or who knows what. But I guess for everything you've been part of, and all of our listeners listening in, we thank you for you know bringing that little bit of nostalgia and of course into the future with your new short film that I, I guarantee everyone's going to jump right over there and check that out. So thank you, Jeremy, once again for stopping in. Absolutely, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. And thank you again to everybody listening. I hope you have a wonderful, a wonderful time. It's the season premiere of Hunter. Think of me as a challenge. I'm charging you with attempted murder. Is it a love triangle or a setup? That's why you got a partner. Hunter. Sunday, Easy Street moves to its regular time with a big celebration. That dude is a party reptile. Brush up your social skills. No. For Easy Street. Then let's all raise a toast. I have raised a fool. To the season premiere of Valerie. And I'm not even dressed yet. Sunday. 
Hey, everybody. It's Amy Stock, Missy Mom, Britta, on Dallas, a number of other things. And you're listening to Diz Radio. And be excellent to each other. Message for you, son. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. Hey, listen. Will you stop this foolishness? What foolishness would you like to see? Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. All right, folks, I'm going to be the first to admit to you that there are some shows that we absolutely loved in the 80s growing up that when we go back and watch it, we realize, wow, how did this work? How did this become a thing? But yet we still absolutely, without a doubt, love it. And the show that I want to talk about is a show, it's a, it's a sitcom that aired on NBC from September 22nd, 1986 until March 24th, 1990. So it's a good four-year run, which, you know, that, that sometimes happens. Sometimes you get past that mark, but a lot of shows don't quite go that wrong or go that long. But this is a show, once you watch it, should never have worked and, and, and become popular. And I mean, it was kind of a phenomenon. This was the show ALF, Alien Life Form. This was basically, you know, of course, Paul Fusco, the creator, would never let them refer to ALF as a puppet. They needed to treat him like he was actual an actor on the set. They needed to all believe he was real to make it believable. But it's basically about the typical, like typical, uh, American family out in California when an alien crash lands in the roof. Now, none of the neighbors saw the ship crash land in the garage. Don't ask me why. I mean, it just seems to have made a lot of noise, but none of the neighbors ever noticed that. And they never noticed when Alf would walk from the house to the uh, separate garage. They never they never caught him going outside. Uh, but basically, so it's this alien who ends up living with his family because, really, he can't go home. His ship is busted. His planet has exploded. Uh, too bad he didn't come with uh, amazing powers to be run faster than a locomotive and uh, bend steel bars in his arms, you know, hands. So, yeah, he didn't have any powers like that, but he did have multiple stomachs and could eat you out of house and home and uh, would put your cat under threat. And I I own at least a two, if not three, collections or seasons of these. And you can find these, you know, you can watch it streaming. You can still watch this. And you sit and watch it, and you're sitting like, how did this work out? How did this end up becoming a thing? It's ridiculous. But that was part of it. It was, it was ridiculous. It was a nice change of pace. It was just silly. And, uh, you know, it had a great little cast, Max Wright and Shadeen, uh, Andrea Elson, who was just gorgeous as their daughter. Uh, Benji Gregory, who I guess I related to because he was the youngest kid and I was a young boy at the time, too. And, of course, their cat, Lucky. Uh, it was it was crazy. And they, they've tried to do TV movies, try to bring this back. But uh, to bring this around uh, where we're talking about, you know, cheesy shows and how this might work today. I mean, I've heard Paul Fusco, the creator that well, it's created by him and Tom Pratchett. Paul Fusco was also the man behind the voice and the puppet. Uh, well, we're not supposed to call Alpha puppet, but still. Uh, he's talked about bringing the character back, but in his mind, Alpha has just been on our planet this entire time and he can just come back and his, his life is just going on. But if you were to re- restart, you know, reboot this whole thing and you were going to do it as a feature film. Now, how would you rather do this? Uh, would you prefer practical effects for Alf? Would you use a puppet similar? Would you try to, you know, with, with uh, modern, um, animatronics, I bet you could make a really believable, you know, actual, you know, character in there. Uh, and probably put someone in a suit. Uh, I, heck, at times they did have a, a little person, Mishu Mizaros, who has passed away, 
would briefly uh, wear a full body suit uh, to run around as Alf. But you know, you could probably put something like that. And uh, I was kind of asking around, like, well, what would you want to see? Who would you want to see in the roles? And I, my my first thought was, you need for Alf uh, for at least his voice, someone who could be kind of charming yet also kind of obnoxious. And I thought of Ryan Reynolds instantly. Uh, other thoughts we had within the D team is somebody thought Danny DeVito. Now I don't know if he's thinking Danny DeVito because of the size of him or because Danny DeVito himself can be really obnoxious, but yet has this humorous charm to him. And that might kind of work. Uh, also John, good old John, John, he said Neil Patrick Harris for maybe Willie Tanner. And I had thought Steve Grill for Willie Tanner, you know, but cause you need someone who can be kind of awkward yet seem intelligent. And you know, Neil Patrick Harris, might fit the bill. That could be very interesting. Uh, we didn't really think of anyone else that we would cast. Uh, you'd probably get some uh, young pop star to play Lynn, the daughter, uh, Andrea Elson, uh, who was basically supposed to be like a 16-year-old. I'm sure there's some teenage actress out there. The wife, you have to have, of course, the wife that does not like the alien on the surface, but underneath, you know, still cares. Um, and I looked at that and it's like, you know what? Because Anne Shadine was kind of a redhead. I was like, you know, Amy Adams, because Amy Adams just would have that sweet quality, but she can be tough. Uh, if, if you saw her play Lois Lane, uh, I think she would actually be pretty good for that. But I don't know exactly who you'd get for the kids. You'd probably have to get like Billy Ellish or something to play the daughter. How old is Billy Ellish? I don't know. I don't pay attention to these, but they'd probably get like, I can imagine some teenage pop star or something like that uh, to do this and then find some child actor and everything. But yeah, who would you cast in Alf? And do you remember watching Alf? I mean, there were toys, there were lunchboxes, there was like a record thing with little puppets from, uh, I think Burger King had them, these little records that played just like one song and told a little story, uh, like a chef and a baseball and all this kind of stuff uh, for Alf. And even a, a couple of animated series. I mean, this this thing really took off. And when you go back and watch it, it's hard to understand how did this become a thing? But you know what? It was fun and I still enjoy watching it. So to this day, of course, remember, I can be found at the Fandom Nexus podcast. Just go and look for us, the Fandom Nexus. If you need some help, go to our website, NeverlandPodcast.com. And I'm going to see you next week. Listen up, D-heads. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. But don't worry. We got you covered at Diz Radio. Now, back to the show. 
All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. It has been a fantastic romp, a lot of fun going back in time, heading back to the 80s, the early 90s, and I want to extend a very special thank you once again to Jeremy Lick for stopping in here, chatting with us, having some fun, going down memory lane, and I am excited to see your short film and where you're going to be going in 2024. Thank you, Jeremy, once again for stopping in and thank you for all the fun memories, all the different things that you've done and and just really making those moments with everybody in their homes and just enjoying all the things you've been part of. I know I have passed on my love of the Twilight Zone and the Hogan family to my children. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Frank, Jeremy, and Dominic stopping in here this week with their signature segments, having some fun, and going into the deep recesses of your minds and maybe bringing a smile to your face. Remember to reach out to the D-team on our official website and many other places. And most of all, thank you, the D-heads. You are the reason we come back and do this show every single week. You are the reason that we've been here 14 years and still going strong. So thank you, the D-heads. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. We love you. So before I let you go and clue you in as to who's going to be stopping in next week, and I think you're going to love it pretty much, I do got to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news feed, and more right there on our official website at dizradio.com. You can also follow us all over the social media outlets, TikTok, X, Snapchat, you name it. You can find us all over the social media outlets and definitely join up on our Facebook page where we give away prizes and more. It's very active and interactive with all of you D-heads at facebook.com slash the Diz Radio Show. And remember, you can find all these links and more, including our archives and ways to connect up with us, even how to drop us a line or subscribe to our newsletter at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. So all of you D-heads, next week we are still in the heart of February. We are having some fun. We're getting closer to Easter, so I'm excited to bring you a few Easter guests coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. But there is a lot of fun things on the horizon. And let's say the guest next week is going to help you get even. Sometimes when you get even with people, they say it's even Stevens. I'm going to leave it at that. So until next week, all of you D-heads, remember, take time, slow down and never neglect family for business. You can always make money. You can't always make memories. Make that this year's habit, tradition, and ways to make those memories happen. So until next week, all of you D-heads, have a fantastic weekend, and uh, don't just be a couch potato. Look, if you had one shot to sit on your lazy butt and watch all the TV you ever wanted until your brain turned to mush. Would you go for it or just let it slip? Yo. Remote is ready, eyes wide, palms are sweaty The Flintstones on the TV already Wilma and Betty, no virgin The channel surfing and I'm HD ready So I flip, garbage is all I'm getting The Simon Cow, who folks wanna disembowel He opens his mouth, always says something foul They're dying, wow, wannabes are crying now He votes them out, time to throw in the towel Shows based on reality, oh, the humanity Oh, Aziz family show, love profanity Whoa, the insanity, oh Dogs that crap and pee home of depravity No, they live happily, yo Plus the Ali G show and celebrity mole Owen there's Anna Nicole, she's scaring me Look mono cavities, oh, it's a station break Better go out to the kitchen and microwave something You're gonna lose your mind watching TV They told me that's
Goldie, but I'm still tuning every show. My cable gets C-SPAN, TV land, and HBO. The Travel Channel, Discovery, and Lifetime. Lose your mind watching TV. They told me, cajoled me, turn off those music videos. I'm going to watch C-SPAN, TV land, and HBO. The History Channel, and QVC, and Lifetime. My butt is aching as I watch NASCAR racing. That show about undertaking. Larry King to 24 to blind order. The weather channel's boring like 60 minutes. Ancient reporters next up on E-True. Hollywood story. The rise and decline of 12 actors named Corey. Shows for next fall they've already been naming. CSI Boise and touched by an uncle. Both sound pretty layman. So does everybody tolerates Raymond. And King of Queens jumped the shark the first minute. I can't believe Richard Simmons ain't in. I move right on the way, simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. Then I bet I watch The Bachelorette, followed by Welcome Back, Cotter, and the Muppet Show where they go, but not my gonna lose your mind watching TV. They told me, they told me, but I'm still tuning every show. My cable gets C-SPAN, TV, Land, and HBO, the Disney Channel, and A&E, and Lifetime. You're gonna lose your mind watching TV. They told me, cajoled me, but I still love Lisa Kudrow. I'm looking at C-SPAN, TV. Are lost in space. I've seen each amazing race and without a trace. But I only watched Will and Grace one time, one day. Wish I hadn't, cause TiVo now thinks I'm gay. Oh, and Fear Factor, I watched maybe a half hour. After that, felt like I needed a long shower. Network execs with naked ambitions. Next week on Fox, watch Lions Eat Christians. Like to tie up those programming planners. Make them watch all of that junk till their heads explode just like scanners. Leech covered grub eating Discussing the oeuvre of Mr. Rob Schneider And there's Gilligan and Spongebob Plus There's MacGyver and Jay Leno Has got Madonna, hey there's Luke Perry And a special all pig Latin episode of Drew Carey Wanna turn on E.T. Cause I'm a gossip freak And I gotta know who J-Lo is marrying this week A 30 second spot, then we come back to Are You Hot? I was planning on recording The Sopranos I forgot, I love shows with or without a plot I'll stare till my legs are numb, my eyes bloodshot Because I only have got one brain Thank you for tuning into the Diz Radio Show. The thoughts and comments expressed are those of the show and do not reflect any company or guest heard on our program. Now go on and relive the magic, fun, excitement, and appreciation from your lifetime of memories. See you real soon.